Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, college football is facing all kinds of realignment. It is a different game. Matt Baker is going to join us, our college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times, to talk about his conversation with Billy Napier and a lot of those things that are coming down the road are really already here with the super conferences and the like. So uh, some good deep dive into uh, what the future of college football is with respect to those conferences and what is driving that, of course, uh, in just a minute with Matt Baker. First, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, the Bucks. We found out on, I guess it was Tuesday, that uh, indeed uh, they're going to alternate the starters in the preseason games for the first two at least. Uh, Pittsburgh coming up on Friday. No official announcement yet. I'm betting heavily that it's going to be Baker Mayfield, but if it is, that would mean that Kyle Trask would start against the Jets uh, the following week, and then we'll see what happens uh, after that. But uh, they are going to alternate those starting assignments uh, each of the first two weeks and then kind of recalibrate and see what they want to do in week three of the preseason. Then, of course, there's a week in between the final preseason game and uh uh, and, and, and then the ramp up to game week, which will be, uh, of course, uh, week one at Minnesota. Uh, so uh, getting a little closer, it's still the dog days. I'm telling you, it's, it's hella hot out there, man. Um, I'm, I'm amazed that these guys have handled it the way they have. Full pads on Tuesday. These guys were uh, doing a little bit of, of, of tackling, um, some more contact, trying to get them ready for Friday's preseason game. A lot of rookies, of course, are, are anxious to make their NFL debuts. We talked to Servaccia Dennis, who's who's going to be playing against Pittsburgh Steelers, and of course, um, he you know playing at Pitt uh, was uh, very much a uh, you know surrounded by the Steelers. So it'll be you know a lot of welcome to the NFL moments that are coming up here on Friday night at Raymond James Stadium as Mike Tomlin brings his team uh, into play. All right, we'll get to Matt here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you guys, you already know it's hurricane season in Florida. But the good news is you can keep the power on without breaking the bank. And that's with solar battery backup power. There's no fuel cost to run it, no loud generator noise, no annual maintenance costs. And May Electric Solar offers you a 15-year warranty on their solar battery backup. Plus, solar battery backups saves you hundreds of dollars each month. If you lose power, a generator can cost over $2,000 to run a week. Solar battery systems qualify for a 30% tax credit for new systems or for adding battery to your existing Enphase solar system. Trust the pros in solar. To learn more about May Electric Solar Battery Backup or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or you can visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. Matt, look, I, I hate to be that guy, right? I've always hated that guy, the grumpy, my day, the great, you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to be that guy <laughs> because <laughs> it doesn't seem all that long ago, right? What I loved, and we've talked about this, about college football, it was that it wasn't pro football. And I don't mean that the players weren't paid because I've always been for that. What I'm talking about is 
it's the aesthetics, right? It it's the the regionality, it's the rivalries, it's the tradition, right? I think that's what's going to be lost. Let's talk about this massive conference realignment. We've really had sort of the have and had nots now for a little bit here, but this is even kind of in, in a nuclear option in a sense. So you talked to Billy Napier, and I thought it was interesting because he was very upfront about it, man. Um, he put it out there that you know what, we we may already be here in 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 this in this system in some ways. Yeah, and thanks for having me on. Billy's point that he made at his news conference on Monday was kind of about um, he thinks there's going to continue to be overall realignment, is what he said, and, and mm-hmm. basically the he didn't say this, but I will. It's the haves and the have-nots. It's yeah. the it's the power two. Mm-hmm. And the everybody else. If you can make this X number of dollars, I don't know what the X is, but if you can make this much, yeah. and if you are one of the programs that can reasonably expect to compete for championships, mm-hmm. you're in the club. And then once you're in the club, we're going to do things differently, right? Um, there, there's going to be a lot more cohesion, I, I, I guess. There's going to be a lot more uh, alignment in terms of like standardized injury reports. Mm-hmm. I think there will be some sort of player compensation model. I don't know if it's, TV revenue sharing, playoff revenue sharing, right. employees, freelancers, better NIL, like with actual rules. I, I don't know what it is. Right. But that that's kind of what he, the, the future he was laying out there. And I, I appreciated the honesty because a lot of people in this space seem to think, myself included, we're going to that power two format. It's just a matter of how and when and what does it look like. And no, the story I wrote today or you know, Tuesday as we record this on TampaBay.com, I think we're already there. Yeah. It's just not official, right? Yeah. When you look at the money gap between the Big Ten and SEC, between those two and everybody else, and the fact that it's going to be $20, $30 million here in a year or two. When you look at the national champions, I mean, aside from Florida State and Clemson, I think all of the national champions – since 2001 are big 10 and sec off the top of my head you know you look at yeah. the big 12 being a, a power conference and but the, if you look at the their membership in 2024 they've got two national championships since world war ii colorado and byu like the, the money there's a big gap and if you look at the programs that can reasonably expect to contend for national championships the only three that are not in the big two or as of next year where it's Florida state, Miami and Clemson, everybody else is in there. Um, so yeah, that's just the way it's, it's going. And I, I, I'm with you and we've talked about this. I, I love sure. the regionality. I love the rivalries. I love the fact that, you know, you go to, to the publics or, or your church or the office or whatever it is. And people, you know, in the cubicle next to you, you went to Georgia, they went to Florida, you went to Florida, they went to Florida state. You went to Purdue, they went to Indiana. Like that type of stuff, those conversations are what separates it. Like you don't see a house divided bumper sticker or license plate for the Yankees and the, the devil, you know, the, the race, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't. But you do see that with Florida, Georgia and Florida, Florida State and those guys. So it, you, you definitely lose some of that. And I hate it. However, I'm starting to come around to some of the positives of it too. And chiefly being the fact that we can be open and honest about what this sport is. It's a money grab. It's a business. Like mm-hmm. let's, you know, as we, as this goes forward, 
there are going to be some positives with that because the whole fig leaf of amateurism, which is still kind of there in some ways, that's going to go away. I think we're going to get to a point where it make where we understand that football is different than everybody, everything else. So let's treat football differently than everything else. You know, it, can, can we rationalize Washington and Oregon playing Penn State and, and Michigan State in football? Yeah, we can, we can make that. You can do the mental gymnastics to make that work. But you can't do it in softball and women's basketball and baseball and field hockey and whatever. So, so don't. Let's just abandon that whole pretense and say, you know what? Football, you're going to be your own thing. And maybe Oregon and Washington play in the Pac-12 zombie conference in field hockey and softball or the Mountain West or whatever it is. And you, you have that regionality where it makes sense, but treat football a little bit differently because it is different. So I, I think there's some of those things that I'm coming around to. Again, I don't love all this. I, I really don't like a lot of it, but I'm starting to see some of the positives. If nothing else, we take away the fig leaves and address it honestly and openly what it is, which is a business, period. I agree with almost all of that. I will say that in the meantime, there's some pain. and For sure. Since the last time we spoke, the Pac-12 is like the Pac-4 yep, um, and or about to become that. And I don't know what's going to happen. I think we had not spoken since Florida State made their shocking announcement um, that they want out too, whether it's 2026 or 36. I don't know. But, like, those are seismic shifts, and they're happening in real time. So before we get to this utopia of – you know, the big league is off, and now we all know what we're dealing with here. What's this interim period going to look like? More of the same yeah. is what it's going to look like. And and obviously, realignment has been going on for a very long time. Um, it has, yeah. I, I, I was in I was in Tulsa. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but, you know, I was in Tulsa in 2010 and, and 2011 when the Big 12 was dead. Yeah, like, yeah. dead. Like, I remember one of my colleagues... Um, talking to one of the ADs in the league, and they were like brainstorming names for the new Pac-16. <laughs> when you bring in Oklahoma State and OU and Texas and, and whoever uh, to the, to the Pac-16, um, I, I remember my my buddy James Royal, a great great designer, one of the best designers I've worked with. I remember the front page he did one of those days where it was a d- Big Twelve football that was deflated because that's what it was. The Big Twelve was dead, and, and yeah. somehow it survived. So th- this stuff has been going on and is going to continue to go on until we get to that point. And, you know, the, the, the Pac-12, Pac-4, I don't know what their future is. Um, maybe they go, some of them go to the Mountain West. May, maybe Oregon State and Washington State can stomach that. Um, maybe there's a merger. Maybe the American Athletic Conference takes some or there's a merger there. Um, Cal and Stanford are different beasts just because— there, there's more. I don't want to call it arrogance because I don't think that's fair. But you get my point. They're 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 in a loftier position. Um, you know, they're two of the top, pretty two of the top athletic departments in the country. If you're looking at well-rounded, all-around stuff, you look at all the Olympians they produce and and the championships they win in squash and water polo and and that type of thing. I don't see them wanting to compete with UNLV and uh, Colorado State. I, I I don't see that. So I don't know where things go from there. Um, I want to get to Florida State in a second, but I want to kind of finish this on, on, on 
Cal and Stanford because I think it's important. I mean, going back, it, I mean, just while you're talking about them, the, the academic prestige of those uh-huh. universities too. Correct. So I've had a lot of USF people with with strong thoughts, some yelling at me, which is fine. I don't care. Um, <laughs> about <laughs> it is. I that's fine. Comes with the territory, um, and I appreciate the passion. But I've had I've heard some USF people saying, "Oh well, we can go to the Pac-12, or, and we're, we're going to have all these options, and the ACC should add us, or what have you." Here's the, the the pause that I would say. Cal and Stanford are two of the, I don't have the U.S. News and World Report rankings in front of me, but they are clearly two of the premier academic institutions in the country and in the world. Yes, yes. Right? Okay. Yes, less they, than 5% get in or something like that. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Stanford, you could argue, it has the best combination of athletics and, and academics in the country. Right. Um, and, and Cal is up there. They have more of a history in terms of football, and mm-hmm. that's in, in how many years they've played and, and some of the games they've had and the players they've produced. And then in addition to, the, again, the, the, the non-revenue sports, they could, well, as of right now, they're left out of the big leagues, you know, there, mm-hmm. There's talk about one of them joining or both of them joining the ACC. I, I don't see it, but, you know, who the heck knows? So uh, if Cal and Stanford can get left out, and, and mm-hmm. let's, let's not forget, they're, they're in the Bay Area, right? The San Francisco Bay Area. That's, where right. that's a bigger media market than Tampa. True. So if they can get left out, anybody can, well, uh, including, an, uh, including a USF and SMU and those type of guys. So that's something I want USF fans to to understand as we go through all the hypotheticals and if this then that yeah usf has a lot going for it absolutely but it takes more than a media market and being in the aau to get up to the power conferences because if that were the case cal and stanford would not be sitting here where they're sitting here at 317 on tuesday in a league that is dead yeah no doubt and and I, and the whole USF thing is is a completely uh, uh, long another discussion because I think there's going to be a lot of teams um, that are not going to be part of the Super League and and right now that would that would seem to to kind of fit their their situation. You, you talked about you know I thought it was interesting like you talk about coming around to the positives of this right and there there's going to be a, a, you know some pain in, in, in fan bases that that are uh, on the outside looking in no question. Um, one of the things though, Matt, and I think it is good that we are arrived at a point where we recognize, you know, these aren't just student athletes, right? These are performers or employees or something. And as such, um, we, you know, the NIL system as it exists today is pretty wretched, uh, needs some regulation to say the very least. Um, but on top of that, you know, maybe insurance, uh, benefits the beyond the playing days if they're injured might like there could be some very realistic and um necessary and long overdue benefits to for for the participants for the players uh, in particular uh and maybe the coaches but but you know in terms of spreading the wealth if you will as long as there's this much money coming in and um uh, they want to get on top of it with with some rules and regulations yeah, absolutely. I mean, the like I said, I think the fig league is coming off where right. it's there's so much money involved, and you cannot tell me that Washington and Oregon playing against Penn State and Michigan and Rutgers mm. is good for the student athletes. No. You can't. It's no. not. I mean, football is one yeah. exactly. Football football is one thing where maybe we're talking know, four East Coast trips a year or Midwest trips a year. That's not great 
you can make that work if you're chartering and, and this, that, and the other. But if you're a gymnast, if mm. you are a baseball player, mm. if you are a lacrosse, you know, whatever the, the non-revenue sport is, there's no way to do it well, right? You're, you're missing class, you're Zooming, all that stuff. And that's not good for you. It's just not. And if we're pretending that these are student athletes who are students first, then there's zero scenario where that is what is best. So let's call it what it is. This is about money. And yes, mm-hmm. when, when Washington and Oregon get more money and more stability in the Big Ten, then that means Oregon and Washington will get be able to invest that in, in, in the students more, in the players more. Yes, that's fine and dandy, but at what cost? And there is a significant cost to it. I mean, we, we touched on the, the rivalries and, and what have you that go away. I mean, I think Cal and Washington have been playing since like 1916 or 1920 or something. Like, mm. And those those are the types of rivalry or regional games that we don't think of as much, like you know the the Apple Cup, right? Washington, Washington State. That's the one that like I sincerely hope that doesn't go away. And Oregon, Oregon State. They used to call it the Civil War. Now I don't know what they call it, but it, those are the things you definitely want to protect. But there's a second tier there where those games mean an awful lot too, and those are in jeopardy or going away. So so there's that, but a lot of it is just the the everybody else in this and we got to figure out a way to make that work and i have not heard a convincing argument rick why oregon and washington and usc and ucla have to play basketball in the big 10 or have Mm. to play baseball like you know pick your non-football sport i don't know why that has to happen um you know dan wetzel from from yahoo i think best sports writer in the country has pointed out like i think notre dame is in the big 10 in hockey Mm -hmm. but in acc and just about everything else no my alma mater north northwestern i I can't remember the name of the conference they're in with lacrosse anymore but i know when when i was there and they won a, a couple national titles in women's lacrosse they were in like the big east or american east or whatever it was that wasn't the big 10 it's like you could do it it, there is precedent for it. So why don't we just do that and, mm-hmm. you know, save the money that you would spend on travel and use that for something better than chartering a flight for the softball team from Eugene, Oregon to Piscataway, New Jersey. And then more importantly, make it easier on the players, make it easier on the athletes so that they can actually go to class and have time to sleep and all that type of stuff. So I, I don't understand why that cannot happen. And my yeah. hope is that as this gets so nonsensical with just how spread out everything is, is my, my hope, and with Congress looking at college sports too, let's not forget about that part. My hope mm-hmm. is that eventually we'll get to a point where smarter heads say, what are we doing here? Why don't we not do that? Mm-hmm. Is there any, you know, I mean, the SEC is going to be one of the super leagues, right? We don't know how yep. many teams. We don't know if they're going to keep adding. Is there going to be sort of this race between them and the Big Ten? Like, what would be the possible downside to for the like a, a team, a, a university like the University of Florida? Could this so, get sticky anywhere? Well, yeah. So the downside is there's a few. So I want to look. I'm excited to watch Florida play Texas next year. Sure, and absolutely. I'm excited to see them play OU in the future. That mm-hmm, all that stuff mm-hmm. is great. And yeah. let's let's pretend. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get circle back to the Knowles in a minute, but let's pretend Florida State and Clemson go to the SEC too. Okay, well, great. I'm sign me up for for the Gators in Death Valley, right? The other one, perfect. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Boom. Yeah. 
but there are downsides. Um, so one of the immediate downsides is if Florida's playing more of those games, they are going to lose more often. Mm-hmm. Somebody like, like in the current format, right? Somebody has to finish last in the sec West and none of them think they should. <laughs> you, even if you put Ole Miss and Mississippi state at the bottom, well, somebody's got to finish fifth Arkansas yep. A&M. Somebody's got to. Mm-hmm. So you factor that into things where, uh, you know, Florida's going to have more seven and five, eight and four seasons if they're playing more Alabamas and, and Texas A&M's. That, that's just sure. the reality of it. And, and same thing with Bama and A&M too. Um, so that's one downside. Another downside is I think one of the great things about college football is the kind of David Goliath situation, right? Sure. Um, you know, I think about some of the, you know, my favorite games that I've watched over the years, you know, or, or think about like Appalachian state, Michigan. Sorry, sorry, Steve. Um, but you think about that upset in 2007 and how historic that was. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about the, it's a little bit different, but the Boise state, Oklahoma, um, uh, fiesta bowl, you, you think about stuff like that. And even some of the close calls like USF almost beaten Florida last year. And, uh, you know, Jacksonville state beating Florida state. You think about, um, some of those really memorable upsets you're not going to have as many of them if USF doesn't get the chance to play USF and Appalachian right. State doesn't get the chance to play Michigan. So you lose something in that too. Um, obviously, the Gators would lose the, the you know a home potentially lose a home game in that and a win. But there, there's there's definitely a possibility where if only the big guys play each other. I don't know that we get sick of it, but you lose something where you know. 90 times out of 100, Alabama is going to beat Louisiana Monroe. But there's 10 times where they don't or it's really close going into the fourth quarter. And and a lot of that is what makes college football special, Rick, where on any given Saturday you find yourself glued to, yeah, you're going to watch Alabama and Tennessee because that goes down the wire and whatever. But you're also going to be monitoring – Shoot, I remember being a, in a press box watching Louisiana Lafayette uh, upsetting Iowa State. Like, mm-hmm. that type of stuff that you're going to miss out on and we're going to lose. And that it, has it, to be part of the calculus as well. It's going to add some rivalries, too. I mean, who's to say that Florida and Florida State will continue to play? Well, hopefully the state legislature. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that, yeah. Um, <laughs> Mandated, I suppose. Yeah, that is a thing that could happen. I'm... I'm as usual, I'm, I'm being 100% serious here, but um, you're, there are some of those that are going to be lost. You know, Washington and Washington State say they want to play each other. I don't you know. I, I hope they will. Same with right. Oregon and Oregon State. But like USF, UCF, I hope they find a way to get back together, but I don't know that they will. Um, right. Right. The, the one that I've talked about before, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the, the Bedlam game, Oklahoma yeah. State is upset that OU left, and they say, hey, you left? Fine, we don't want you anyway. And wow. My hope is that eventually they get together and say, you know what, this is dumb. Let's shake hands. Come on, bring it in. Hug it out, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of money and a lot of egos involved, so I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, and then, you know, it, the, the Florida State part of this, honestly, the Florida, Florida State, I think that's a, a an encouraging thing because it's one of the examples of, you know what, they're not in the same conference, but they found a way to play every year. Louisville and Kentucky are not in the same conference. They play every year. South Carolina, mm-hmm. Clemson, Georgia, Georgia Tech. You you can do it if you want to. Yeah. And like, I don't know a single person in this state who's like, you know what? 
I'm kind of done with seeing the Gators <laughs> play the Knolls every year. Yeah. You know, may, maybe Florida should should schedule a, a Georgia Southern again, or, or you know right, Louisiana right. Lafayette, or you know, no, everybody wants that. So so find a way to keep making it happen because the the ultimate end goal of all of this, Rick, is teams. First of all, TV wants games that people want to watch. And teams yep. want to play in games that people want to watch and players want to play in and coaches want to coach in. Mm-hmm. And so we need to find a way to make sure that there are more Florida and Florida states here and, and nationally and fewer, you know, uh, Oregon Rutgers. And right. I don't know how all this happens, but that's kind of got to be the end goal in all of this. And, you know, another weird tangent you can go down is at what point does the SEC say, we don't need you, Mississippi State. You don't no. add enough. At what point does the Big Ten say, I'm sorry, Purdue. I'm sorry, Northwestern. You've been here for however many decades or century or whatever, but you know what? We can add Notre Dame instead, and you don't make enough money. We're tired of you know another mouth to feed. So I, I, that's definitely a thing that could happen at some point. We can definitely game that out. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, let's go on to the field. And we are just about three weeks from the University of Florida going all the way out to Utah and playing the Utes. Of course, they opened with them at home a year ago. Um, again, you, you, you talked to Billy Napier. I, I think it's – look, when, when a new coach comes in, it, it takes a while for him to kind of get his program going. Um, he brings a few players. Now with the transfer portal, it's a little more expedient. You can do that quicker. Um, but in, in Napier's case – He's turning it to the youth. He's he's going to go with with the guys, his guys, but also some very young players, and that that can be, I guess, exciting or uh, maybe a little <laughs> a little less than that. I don't know. Yeah, just listen to Billy the other day talking about you know his receiving core in particular. You know where the, the downfield passing was better. Okay, well you think about who's in that downfield passing. It's Graham Mertz is probably going to be the starting quarterback. Okay, so that's right. one part. Then he mentions the receivers like uh, Eugene Wilson from, from Gaither and Andy Jean from down in Miami um, and the, the kid out of Orlando as well. He's talking about freshmen and guys that he's bringing in. He, you, you go to the defensive line. He's talking about like Caleb Banks from Louisville transfer he just brought in and mm-hmm. Cam Jackson, the Memphis transfer he just brought in. It's going to be a lot of his dudes. Um, yeah. Not all, but a, a whole lot of his guys. And they're going to sink or swim with him. And to me, you know, particularly some of the young guys, it's going to be very interesting to see how it works because I think a lot of them are talented, particularly mm-hmm. the receivers. I think they probably hit on um, – they, they might have hit on all three. We'll, we'll see. But there's – when you're when when you when you're playing a lot of your freshmen at this stage of where the Gators are, you're going to have some hiccups along the way. And you can do that if you think you have time. You can do that if you're building for the future in addition to the present. And I think Billy Napier has time. He's not in a situation where he has to win nine games immediately. So he can go with this youth movement because, first of all, they might be the better players on the team given the the situation he inherited. And also there's something to the idea of going through the fire now so that in 24 maybe you got a chance to be a lot better. So that's just going to be one of the interesting things to watch. And I think fans need to kind of – understand it and view the season through that lens obviously every florida fan wants them to win 10 games and beat georgia and you know all that stuff i don't think that's particularly realistic it Mm -hmm. is however realistic to look at this team that he the players that he brought in 
Are they good right now? Are they getting better through the course of this season? And then what does that say about the talent, you know, his eye for talent and ability to, to coach and develop along the way to give you confidence that 24 can be a big year and, and maybe 25 can be a really big year? This is off the uh, the college, completely college radar, but I just have a question because I'm curious since you watched this guy play for a while. Um, what will the thoughts be about some of the Florida and, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe going back a couple coaches if Anthony Richardson really hits it with the Colts as a rookie? Oh, boy, Rick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have doubts. I have doubts. I really do. Uh, I think but. we could just as easily see a better – but – uh-huh. Uh huh. Eh, the reports are kind of good from up there in Indianapolis. They haven't played a game. I get all that, and then they don't have Jonathan Taylor, which is certainly going to take a bite out of them if that situation stays the way it is. I'm just wondering, like, if he turns out to be a way better pro than he was a college football player. There's there's going to be a lot of explaining to do with Dan Mullen and Billy Napier is mm-hmm. is what it boils down to. I mean, yeah. anybody who watched the games in I guess it would have been 21, knew right. that Anthony Richardson was special. It was special, mm-hmm. special. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to get answers. I, I wasn't the only one, of course, but trying to get answers out of Dan Mullen about why he wasn't playing him. Yeah. And Dan got got snippy sometimes. You know, sure it was after did. the USF game, I asked him about that, and he's like, oh, why does everybody ask about the quarterback? Nobody asks about who the starting running back was. I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, well, it's the quarterback. That's uh-huh. when 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 <laughs> fans, yeah, exactly. I told him when when fans start asking me who the starting running back is going to be, I'll start asking you. <laughs> there you go. And then he he's like, do you even know who the starting running back was today? I'm like, yeah, it was Malik Davis, about a mile and a half or a mile from Jesuit High School where he, he was a star. So, Good um, <laughs> yeah, there, there was there was stuff like that, and it just it took so much to find out why he wasn't playing. Um, right, Because, right. again, anybody with eyes would look at it and say, oh, are they playing the right guy? And then sure. you, you look at what uh, Anthony with, with Billy Napier, and you can explain away a lot of it. You know, he had – uh, Anthony was on his third quarterbacks coach in three years, different system, different head oh, coach. Yeah, sure. All, all that stuff. Um, but he just missed a lot. There's a lot that he missed. And yeah, I mean, I go back yeah. to nine of 27 against Florida state. Yeah. 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 That that's, that was a fact. It was nine of 27. It, it may, you, you look, you go back and watch the game. It wasn't as bad as nine of 27 sounds, but still it happened. I was there. It was a thing. Um, and then you just Anthony did get better over the course of his career and over the course of last season as well. So you can see some of that too. But to, to actually answer your question, if Anthony goes out and has a really good rookie season, it's going to make honestly it'll make Billy Napier and Dan Mullen look really dumb. Mm. Like what what did the Colts do to unlock this that you couldn't? And maybe mm. there are legitimate answers, right? Anthony yeah. is still fairly young. I think he turned twenty one this past summer if i remember right or anyway he's still very young um again the coaching changes and all that stuff there's and some people are better pros than they are in college that that type of stuff happens too but it will look very foolish if in 2021 the gators had anthony richardson and damian pierce Mm. and had a losing record with an offensive yeah Yeah. like there's there's definitely going to be some of those 
how did this happen? <laughs> well, and and you're right. It's uh, sometimes guys, uh, the, the light bulb goes off at different times. You're talking about young kids becoming young men and pros, and how to you know there, there's it's a different game as well. Um, but I'm I'm anxious to see how he does, and of course a lot of that will depend too on whether he has Jonathan Taylor and others that are supporting him. But uh, but it'll be fun to watch. In the meantime. College football, we are we are so close, man. Just a couple of weeks away. Um, it's an exciting time. It's a confusing time. It's yeah. it's all of that. Your sport is nuts and gets nuttier. Um, it's, it's, but we it's, love it. It's wild. Yeah. There's 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 we talked about this. There's no off and off season, and then just no. it, it's been so weird for me, Rick, to to go through the realignment stuff going on now because I'm looking at my preseason top twenty five ballot. Well, well. It'll post on TampaBay.com soon, and we'll talk about it next yes. week because I yep. have Florida State higher than you probably expect. And it's been so weird to like try and get in football mode. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, oh yeah, I remember football. Uh, why did I? <laughs> why, why did I like Florida State's roster and and better than USC's or you know whatever it is? Why, yeah. why do I have Penn State here and and Oregon here and thinking about like offensive line and, and blocking and tackling all that stuff. It's been very weird to try to get back into that, but I am so glad we're a couple of weeks away because the games will happen and things will get easier. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. Somebody's going to play well. Somebody's <laughs> going to suck. And I'm going to be able to write accordingly and get back in my rhythm and get back to what it is that we love about all this. It's, it's not, you know, I believe me, I did not get into this to, to watch, uh, a board meeting like the one I sat through at, at Florida State um, where they talked about aviation law and the legislative funding requests for this critical software update. And, and Rick, I don't need to remind you how critical that software update is. It's absolutely pivotal for reasons. I did not get through it, get into this business to sit through that to then write about people yelling about money. That's not why I'm here. I'm here because I love this sport and I, and I love watching the games and I love watching the players and I love sharing their stories. So I'm so excited because eventually, if nothing else, you know, August 31st is kickoff. It'll be there. And then everything else will hopefully take a back seat and we can get back to talking about the stuff that, you know, fans love to hear about the most. And that's the games, the players. Yeah, those board meetings can sometimes be B-O-R-E-D meetings and that's, what it's become. But we are here for the games. We are here for Matt Baker, and we're here for your reporting. You can read all about it on the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. Matt, it's got to be something that's probably happened in the last 30 minutes we've been together, so <laughs> go figure out who's leaving whose conference. I hope not. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. My thanks, as always, to Matt Baker and the Rays continue their series against the St. Louis Cardinals. I'll be back at Bucks camp, of course, this morning uh, for another uh, practice out there. And then uh, there's a walkthrough, of course, on Thursday. Bucks play the Pittsburgh Steelers at Raymond James Stadium Friday night, their first preseason game. Probably have a little more clarity about the quarterback situation as well. 
As always, thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.